Hi, welcome to the Halal Food Podcast again. Today we've got a very special guest from the farming community. I've got a brother here, uh, brother Flavian, uh, who is based, his farm is, well, he works in, on, a, on a farm that is based in, that is in Hampshire. So today I, I decided to, to bring him on the podcast so that we can interact with him to understand the challenges uh, farmers face uh, and also to, to get a better understanding of how uh, people from the ethnic minorities can access the farming uh, profession. So without further ado, I invite uh, Flavian to introduce himself first before we start. Yeah, good evening, um, Dr. Dr. Awal. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Um, yeah, so as, as, as you said, when I spoke with Awal the other day, farming yeah. is about everything. Uh, yes, I'm a big farmer, but I'd happily farm cows or yeah. have farmed cows, sheep, pigs, and everything. I've got so chickens. So for me, I, I'm not just, I don't like just being put in a box yeah. as farming one animal. So yeah, I'm ready for any farming. Yeah. Thank you very much, Flavian. It was very exciting coming to your farm, seeing the pigs, seeing the cattle, seeing the sheep. And the reason why I, I really wanted you to come on to this podcast is there are so many Muslims. There are whether Muslims from Africa, from, from uh, Asia, or Muslims from other backgrounds who are hoping to get into farming. So what I wanted us, you to take us through is if somebody wants to go into farming, what, what do you do? Do you try and go and buy the farm? Do you start from getting the experience or what would you advise somebody who has never been to farming that wants to go into farming? I would say uh, the buying land, you need to have a lot of money to buy land in this country. So if you have money, go go ahead and buy the land or buy a farm. Um, but then for the people that don't have money to buy land, um, you can still farm without uh, buying land. So um, wherever you live, county council have, county councils have um, uh, things called allotments or like just small plots that they give to people. Uh, so you could start even doing um, uh, a small vegetable farming there or even keeping uh, uh, chickens in your back garden, um, as long as you follow the laws, like at the moment, we've got the um, uh, avian influenza, you've got to abide by the rules whether the chickens are in or out. Um, when it comes to farming sort of on a commercial scale, I would say just go to your local area. If there's a farm there, I would say as hard as it, as hard as it sounds, just knock on the door. Um, yeah. The farm I'm on now, I turned up here in 2010 for the first time after being given a phone number by a farmer. And most farmers, if you call them or knock there, they'll ask you what experience you have. So yeah. one main thing is, can you drive? So a lot uh, driving license is important because even if you never worked with animals, you can drive a tractor from point A to B and then you slowly learn, um, get confident. You can do jobs in the yard. Um, and I think also going in with an open mind. So don't go in thinking, and I think that's something us as Africans, and I'm sure our you can, you can um, uh, say something about this, is that you we see farming as a job for sort of <laughs> people in the village. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and I think, yeah. and I think, like back home, like in Kenya, far, uh, farming is mainly um, done in the countryside. So small scale farming is mainly in the countryside, whereas in this country. 
the money is in the countryside. So since I've gone into farming, I see farming as a career. It's a job. Absolutely. You can start. When I first started, I knew nothing. Like I turned up, my main job was pressure washing. So every afternoon, after helping with cleaning the chickens and feeding the chickens in the morning, um, cleaning the pigs every morning, giving them straw. Um, three times a week, I had to get up at half past five to bed up the cows by hand because we didn't have a machine to do it back then. Yeah. Um, if it was something like lambing, I'd help with that as well. My One of my main jobs was every afternoon, especially in the winter because we're moving animals around all the time, we'd have a trailer there ready for me to wash. And that's two or three hours. You're there just with a pressure washer and a hose just holding it. And back then, I used to hate it. But now, 12 years on, I'd, I'd, happily, I'd happily stand there with a pressure washer, earphones in with a podcast, and just stand in there and wash because it's so therapeutic. But then my boss now tells me he doesn't pay me to wash. So he gets younger people coming in. We've got two yeah. young lads on the farm. So they get to do that because I go and do other jobs that they can't do. So I think the open mind is definitely key because you will get to do so many different jobs. Um, like for me, I remember... Because I didn't know anything, I'd get put in the workshop and my boss was like, okay, there's molten nuts there, different sizes, sort them out into size and put them tidily. Back then, I'd think, why am I being given this stupid job? Mm-hmm. But then now, yeah. I'm glad I did that because now I can tell someone that that is an M12 bolt or that's a 10 mil, 13 mil or whatever. Um, and I th- yeah, I think having an open mind is definitely a key thing in farming. And then another one that's a non-negotiable is um, being being resilient. Because as you said, um, whether you're African, Asian, um, or any of from a non-white background or non-farming background, yeah. and then to add on top of that, if you're a Muslim, you've got a difference that people, some people that you might end up working with that aren't exposed will pick on, or they'll, they'll because they don't know anything about it, they'll always go there like, oh, What's this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you have to pray five times a day? Why'd you have to go to a mosque on a Friday? And all those things. But whereas someone like me, even though I'm not a Muslim, my auntie's Muslim, I've got cousins that are Muslim, loads of friends that are Muslims. I've grown up with um, uh, the Islamic culture around me. I understand that. But for a lot of people in the UK, unless they've been exposed or live in places like Birmingham, Bradford, Leicester, London, they've got no idea. So you, the some of the questions will be stupid, they will be triggering, yeah. but just look at it from a point of you're dealing with someone that has no knowledge of where you're coming from, yeah. almost like a child, even though they're an adult, almost like a child. So yeah. explain these things openly, but after you've explained it and someone still keeps giving ignorance, then I think at that point you can attack, not, not physically, verbally. <laughs> you can yeah. tell them, look, we need to be respectful with each other. Um, but yeah, resilience, uh, having an open mind and uh, yeah, willingness to learn. Okay. Flavian, you've mentioned some topics that are very dear to my heart. First, you mentioned you, you, you made reference to the fact that most Africans regard farming to be jobs for the illiterates or people who are in the village. And that is why we got the, the high percentage of peasant farmers in Africa. Most African farmers are not commercial farmers. So that is why we continue to import products, food into Africa from from other parts of the world. I will discuss that, but before we go into that, I want us to discuss diversity in the UK agriculture. 
when I saw you, I was really, really happy to, 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 to see somebody who looked like me in agriculture because in most of my meetings or in most conferences I attend, it's, it's very likely that I'm always the only black person. So to see another black person, it really, it, I was really happy about that. What are, who are you? Are you an African? Are you a British or are you a Kenyan? <laughs> Uh, who am I? Um, I am uh, I'm a Luo cross Kikuyu <laughs> Kenyan man, East African, African, yeah, and then residing in England, which makes me British. Officially, I don't even have a British passport yet, so okay, I'm okay. still Kenyan. All but right. I think in my heart, I'd be lying if I said I'm British first. I'm I'm Kenyan. Yeah, I'm African. You see, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Go. That is interesting. I have been in this country for almost 20 years. I've got a British passport, but many people still see me, ask me, where are you from? And when they ask, as when they ask that question, I proudly, I've never said I'm from Britain. I've never said I'm from, from, from Gloucester or whatever. I always say I am from Ghana. Anybody who asks me. So after that, some people may ask you a further question. Are you, a, or are you, where are you from in the UK? Then I will answer. The reason why I'm, I'm saying this is my mental health is very, very important, Flavian. If you ask me where I'm from and I say I'm from Gloucester, I live in Gloucester, and I say I'm from Gloucester, and you ask me, no, where are you actually from? That is yeah. trying to take me through a mental torture. <laughs> because the, the fact of the matter is there are people there are millions of people in the uk who will never 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 look beyond your color no matter what yeah whether you were yeah. born here whether you've got a british passport they will never look beyond your culture so i am an Af a proud african and i i say this all the time i'm a proud muslim i say this all the time i want to take that route that stance so that I don't get tortured. I don't, somebody don't make fun of me. Oh, I, I, I ask you, where are you from? I, I, I wanted you to say from Ghana. No, I am a Ghanaian or I am an African first yeah. before British. Although I've got a British passport. I don't know what yeah. your opinion is about people asking you this question. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I try and, and uh, depending on the person you're dealing with and you can yeah. tell the caliber of person you're dealing with. And that's not just to put myself in a certain position. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm a human being. I've got I've got family that can't even speak English yeah. or can't even speak Swahili, which is a national language in Kenya. They only speak either Kikuyu or Lua. Okay. Um, and I've got friends here that are, have gone to sort of Cambridge, Oxford. So nice. I, I've got that balance where I've been exposed to both. Yeah. Um, and I'd say, depending on who's asking me that question, I would answer it uh, accordingly. Okay. So okay. if it's someone that's, uh, let's say, not that exposed, and you can tell that from a mile away, someone that's not that exposed, because that with the setting as well, you could sometimes see that there's a pub near where my parents live. Every single time I've gone there, if anyone have been here for 16 years, every single time I've gone there, and I went there with a friend of mine, um, uh, Nathaniel, he's Ghanaian as well. He was, okay. I think he was born here or he came here when he was really young. All right. And you just get someone coming to sit down and they start talking nicely. They yeah. Within like three sentences, oh, you know, 
um, are you guys don't mind these jokes, do you? And I'm like, oh, here we go again. So for me, sometimes I don't even have to say anything because I've got my Kenyan uh, yeah. wristband. Yeah. And a lot of Kenyans nowadays, I think it's a pride thing. A lot of Kenyans have that wristband. And even my fiance, when we went to Kenya in June, I got our wristband and I'm like, when we get married, you are Kenyan as well. <laughs> I like <laughs> welcome, that. Welcome to the family. Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, sometimes before we've been spoken, someone like, oh, you're from Kenya. So it's a conversational starter. Yeah. But my, my normal response is normally when I say, where are you from? I'm like, here or where um, I was born. Yeah. And then sometimes it throws people. They're like, oh. Um, because they don't want to say where you're born because some of them might feel like they sound a particular way. Yeah. Or if they say here, they'll still want to know where you're born. So if I give them those two options, yeah, it throws them. Um, but yeah, for me, I think I've got to a point now where I don't care. I know who I am. I know where I'm yeah. from. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been brought up by parents that are proud Kenyans. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, I'm a proud Kenyan. My sister's a proud Kenyan. Yeah. Uh, most of my f- family are proud Kenyans. And yeah. I think even my social media handles, the Kenyan pig farmer, that's where it starts. Yeah. And yes, I talk with a Kenyan accent, partly because, well, with, a, um, uh, uh, with an English accent, partly because at school, when I moved yeah. here, sort of talking in a Kenyan accent, getting mocked and I got tired of it. When I talk to family or friends, Kenyan, like if my dad was ringing me now, I'd just switch to Swahili. Okay. I'll never, I'll never lose. I'll never want to lose speaking Swahili. When I met you, an identity. Yeah, when I met you on the farm, if you hadn't told me you weren't born here, I would have argued because your accent is more of British. Somebody who is born here. My accent is a Ghanaian accent. I was 20, 24 when I came in here. So I was, I, I was brought up in Ghana. I was educated in Ghana. I got my first degree in Ghana. So my accent would remain a Ghanaian, but your accent is more of a British accent because you came here younger when you were 15 or so? Yeah, I was 15. And I would say my my main reason for having an accent like this is because of being mocked at school. Oh, and even, like, even coming here, I used to hate speaking English because we used to get caned to speak English in Kenya because teachers wanted our English to be good. So we were only allowed to speak Swahili. At one school, we were only allowed to speak Swahili on Friday. So Monday to Thursday, you have to speak English. Yes, it's helped because I'm eloquent in English. Almost yeah. some people might say I still sound like um, I came from Kenya yesterday. <laughs> but uh, the for me, it got so tiring at school, talking to people. What, do you, what did you say? And even now, my dad, who has two masters, is a biomedical scientist, he'll be talking to someone at the pub. And someone was like, what? What? And I'm like, what? <laughs> If you can't understand someone that's studied here speaking English, what hope do you have when you go on holiday? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's just ignorance. So for me, yeah, uh, for my own peace of mind, I did learn to speak in that way. Yeah. But people know pretty quickly, even my friends know that there are words I say still in a Kenyan accent. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I'm talking to family or friends. I, I switched to a Kenyan accent. So for me, it was more necessity than, than choice. Yeah. It's, it's sad that, look, a person's accent will put them at a disadvantage. I was listening to another podcast by an African, a very, a very wealthy, a very well-established African in the US who said 
he decided to leave teaching when he came in he he had qualifications in teaching in ghana he decided to go uh into a secondary school to teach he said for two weeks the guys wouldn't let him teach at all they were laughing at him mocking at his accent so he had to leave teaching and go in and train as a nurse so he's now a nurse that is how sad it is what our accents can do to us which is very sad it's bad it's bad and even um uh, even names uh, like we've got a, a, a there's a podcast my friends and i were doing and yeah. one of our uh, my friends ganan yeah. called jojo biden so if he puts his name as jojo yeah jojo biden no one can tell what <laughs> where he's from yeah yeah um and then i think there was a time when uh during when joe biden was going for presidency people used to think he was american so even your name and then my other friend from south africa lindani pongola so if yeah. he puts his name as lin people aren't sure whether he's male female yeah. if he's asian and then he turns up and he's a black guy and they're like oh so name you? accent <laughs> yeah i know yeah so a lot of people in the uk won't understand this but yeah the the levels you have to go through before you even get to base level to where they are too many It's, it's difficult many. it's it's, it's mm. very difficult that is interesting so uh now we know the challenges of being uh somebody from a different country or somebody who is from the ethnic minority trying to even acclimatize or get adapted to the accepted in the uk co- uh population is is difficult uh you mentioned something that i really want us to to dwell on on african farming we all from africa we still have good uh good uh thinking or uh sort of mentality of trying to improve the livelihood of people in africa how do you think we can improve agriculture in africa what should we change you talked about about uh subsistence farming where people are just uh, uh farming small to feed themselves how do we commercialize farming in africa i would say uh yeah first and foremost i think the government should have a big a big role to play okay um because i remember when uh, when the ukraine war started i think it was paul kagame um uh, the random president saying that uh why is a continent of over a billion worrying about a country not being able to feed them and it's a country of 44 million why are we relying on such a small country to feed that many people and you look at the different climates in africa the amount of food we export when you go to supermarkets here you got most of the veg chilies green beans coriander all those things come from africa oranges you got come from africa i went to a, a company the other day that import sweet corn and spring onion from egypt and senegal so we've got such and the problem is a lot of these big companies exporting here and 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 owned by by africans <laughs> so we yeah. we've got the resources there we yeah. don't want to use them we're letting people in rather than them train us they're using their resources probably deplete them and and leave so i think our governments need to empower the locals and it won't take much because the land is there people are keen um uh, because in a lot of countries uh, the employment is probably not as high as it should be so there are people free to work or available to work so you get them to work 
whether it's um uh, uh like schemes I don't know national national youth service or something but an agricultural version um get, get them out there get them working get them courses and I think probably even five years we'd see such a big change if this push was there but I think by the time you've gone through corruption by the time you've gone yeah, through yeah. So, uh things like tri tribalism by the time you've gone through um trying to get people out of this mindset of well if my neighbor's doing it i don't need to do it i can just go take it off my neighbor or yeah like it's yeah now there's so much to change uh, yeah. but i think the first thing we can start changing is by people like me and you yeah. and many others in the uk from africa yeah showing our people what can be done because we're the same as them yeah. Yes, we were lucky enough to come here when we did, yeah. but we're the same as them. We're the same DNA, same yeah. person, just because we lived here. And we probably have, like for me, I've learned a bit more about efficiency, um, a bit more about um, uh, the technology, been a bit more exposed, but we're literally the same person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we show by example, hopefully some of them might follow. Yeah. So, Flavia, you also mentioned the fact that there are some products that are produced in Africa that are exported to the to the developed economies. That is telling us that there are some sectors of the agriculture uh, industry in Africa that are well developed, but they are not owned by Africans. And then we, I'll give you an example with Ghana. Ghana produces is one of the largest producer of cocoa. Now, if you go to the market and you are looking for the best uh, quality chocolate, it's likely to be from Belgium. Meanwhile, that cocoa that was produced in Ghana is not processed in Ghana, but exported to Belgium. We only uh, get benefit only 6% of the total. That, this is data from somewhere I, I, I read. We only benefit 6% of the total uh, revenue of the of the total value of the cocoa industry why can't we produce and process these things in in africa it's because of corruption it's because of tribalism it's because of all of these so what do you think we should do as the younger younger, younger generation the older ones they, their minds are already polluted they want to get rich either by fair or foul but what have you got what advice have you got for africans growing up to move away from corruption, to move away from tribalism, and to move away from petty things that is dragging the continent back? Um, I would say, so first of all, we probably need to think uh, Pan-African rather than country. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've got to a level now where like December, everyone goes to Ghana because that's where the parties are at. People go to South Africa, people go everywhere. So this whole thing of your Ghanaian, I'm Kenyan, you're Ugandan, that needs to stop. Like the whole world, people just trade. Like you've got EU. Why can we not have an African union where people just travel? If you're a farmer in Botswana doing beef, someone has a vineyard in South Africa, you've got a tea grower and coffee grower in Kenya. Um, we just work together. You've got an orange grower in Egypt, everyone working together, having co-ops and um, uh, sort of uh, growing the economy and exporting. And I think the, what us that are in the UK, we've seen how systems can work yep. without corruption. Yes, it exists corruption at a high level here, like government, yep. etc. But yep. at, at low level, at working class level, what sting, things can work, and you can hustle and make clean money without um, 
uh, without doing corruption. So we just need to replicate that back home. And yes, you said the elders, a lot of them are, well, especially in power, a lot of them are polluted and money is already in their, um, in their bloodstream. So all we can do is just rely on us. I don't know if would I go under 50, under 40. We just work together, even having networks. Like transport these days is so good. I don't see why we couldn't even in different times of the year, cost dependent, say, okay, we're going to either meet up on someone's farm in Namibia or okay. pick a country and people meet up. Just having groups of like-minded people like they do here. Like here we've got, uh, I did a, um, a Tesco Future Farmer um, uh, Foundation last year where we had people from Scotland, Wales, um, Northern Ireland, um, all working together, being brought together by Tesco to sort of, you've all got a common goal, you're all people in farming or allied industry working together. I don't see why we can't have something like that in Africa, whether there's an African Union agricultural board, I don't know. I know Kenyan has has some agricultural things going on. I don't know whether the Ghanaian government has something like that or not. They do. They do have, uh, they, they implemented some programs earlier called planting for food and jobs and also rearing for food and jobs. But I, I have argued with them that that system is not going to work because the way they've implemented it is politically motivated. And that is one of the problems we have. They, they always want to help people that support them. And that's not how you do things. You have to find people yeah. who have got the know-how, know-how, who have got the time, who have got the dedication to work to do the work. But they give contracts to whether whether it's contracts or building roads, they give it to their party members. The party members will do it. The next day, everything is is destroyed. It's, it's just, we can't work like that. We cannot continue to work like that, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think hopefully maybe in the next 10, 15 years, we might have a few young people going for some of these high positions. Yeah. And I think even if you had a cabinet of an old generation leader, but full of young people in the, in the, um, in the chambers, I think they would slowly turn. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think it's a long game. This is definitely a long distance rather than a sprint. So we just need to keep going, keep plugging away. Nice one, nice one. So Flavia, my last question to you is, for those of us who are fortunate to be given the opportunity to work in the agriculture industry in the UK, and we are from Africa or we are from other parts of the world, how do we, uh, those, those of us from Africa, how do we come together in the UK and be able to transfer the, the, the experience, the knowledge that we've gained to people back home to be able to improve, to be able to come to become more efficient. Do you uh, do you suggest we form a group, or how do we come together to make sure the knowledge we are we, we are gaining is not lost, is transferred back to Africa? Uh, I think with um, uh, with social media now, it's so easy to show people what you're doing. Yeah. Like for myself, I try and do it as much as, much as I can and. People think it's it's just fun because some people just like the attention. But for me, I'm happy just existing. Yeah. But I know if I don't do it, no one else will. Absolutely. Um, so I have to do it, even though sometimes I have to take time out, like you say, for your mental health. But uh, I think social media is a big one. So anyone in the, in the, in the industry um, that's African, if you can show what you're doing 
online for people back home to see. Like sometimes, remember there's a guy from Eastern Cape he used to message me on Instagram saying, oh, my pig's not looking well today. What do I do? I'm like, send me a picture. Wow. And you just talk to people. Someone I've never met, Tanzania, um, people from Nigeria asking about pigs. So I think uh, social media is a big one. And then uh, the group thing you mentioned there, I think next we, next year we should definitely set something up. Nice one. Um, even if it's meeting on Zoom every so often, then yeah. once every few months we meet up somewhere central. Um, and just sit and talk because if like time goes so quick before we know it we're going to be retiring <laughs> and we wouldn't have done anything <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. now you think of an idea and action it as quickly as you can nice one nice one so Flavian uh, thank you very very much for agreeing to come on this are you happy uh, if somebody wants to contact you maybe from Africa or I mean, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna share the, the YouTube link to my colleagues in Africa to also try and broadcast it so that people will benefit from this uh, podcast how do people contact you or you rather not want people to contact you now definitely definitely contact me because I think um, sharing knowledge is key yeah. and I I came into this world without knowledge and 31 years I've gained a bit of knowledge so there's no point dying with it I might as well share share with people nice so one. yeah um contact wise on social most social media will be the Kenyan pig farmer um and on YouTube I've not done as many video, videos as I should but I've got a new phone with a better camera so I should be doing more but that's a Kenyan pig farmer as well so I've got videos there on about just general things about pig farming nothing structured it's just what i'm doing i'll just put it on there um tiktok instagram twitter uh linkedin if anyone wants to be professional and then yeah send me a message and we'll um we'll discuss things nice one flavian i i really appreciate your time we are here together i'm not far from you you live in uh hampshire i'm in gloucestershire so we will be meeting yeah. from time to time just to exchange ideas and see how we can support farmers here and in africa Definitely, definitely. And I look forward to working with you, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Cheers.